Hey everyone, welcome back to Blockcast. Today I'm actually interviewing someone. It's a good friend of mine called Evan Wilcox. We were talking the other day about patents and copyrights and blockchain and how this kind of world coexists together. And I thought this is some really interesting stuff and I think we should put this out to the audience in a podcast because it's some really great information there. Thankfully, he agreed. So my biggest takeaways from this was that copyright, I guess, is a given as soon as you publish something. And I didn't know that. So it's quite interesting. How does that work with blockchain and open source? Because as soon as you put it out there in open source, people can copy it. And how does that work with copyrights, which is a given once you publish it? Interesting part of the conversation. And then we also talked about patents and how patents are going to work in the blockchain space and the difficulties around it. Because I guess at the end of the day, crypto is decentralized. Crypto is global. How do patents actually work? And how is that actually enforceable on a global scale? It's a really interesting conversation. I hope you like this format, guys. Give us some likes, give us some comments, let us know your thoughts on this. Otherwise, let's get into the interview. I hope you enjoy it. Hey guys, welcome back. Today, we are talking about patents, copyright, and blockchain. But as I don't know anything about this, we've got a special guest on today. So today joining me is not Will, it is Evan Wilcox. He's an intellectual property enabler for an IP and commercialization consultancy. He's also the owner of a company called Patent Finance, which is looking to support companies to use their IP assets as collateral to way to secure loans. He's also a registered patent attorney in Australia and New Zealand. Evan, welcome to Blockcast, mate. Great to be here. So patents, Copyrights, blockchain, not something people talk about much, but why should we be talking about it? Why should copyrights and patents be important to blockchain technology? There's a significant amount of investment in developing new blockchains and there's assets that are being created as a result of the work and understanding what those assets are and the various um, categories of um, assets that are being created can be really important from uh, both an investment perspective, but also return on investment perspective, I think. Okay, so let's break that down then. So what's, what's going to be the difference between a patent on a blockchain technology protocol project and a copyright on open source code blockchains? So copyright is automatically created on publication. So there's nothing that you need to do to uh, register or seek to register it or protect it in Australia, uh, that's different in the US, uh, but certainly in Australia, from a copyright perspective, it is automatically created. Uh, whereas for a patent where you have created a new invention, you need to formally go through the process of applying for a patent. It needs to have not been published beforehand. It needs to be a new and non-obvious uh, solution to a product or to, 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 a, um, to a problem. And so there's a different level of uh, process and expectation and why you need to do these things. And that the, the incentive behind why you do different things, I think is important to unpack as well. Okay, so copyright is automated, patents are not. So let's unpack patents then. So why would I want to do it? What's the process of doing it? What's the advantages of doing it? So the advantages, why you'd want to do it is to protect your invention. You're a developer, you're um, an investor who's enabling a developer to produce something. That thing that they're creating 
you want to maximize its value. And one of the ways you can do that is by stopping others using it. And a patent allows you to stop others doing it, or it controls who can use it uh, and who can do the thing that you've invented. Now, that doesn't necessarily um, stop others from designing around what it is that you've invented. And so there's a, there's a little bit of a interplay there with an open source culture versus a protection culture. Um, these things aren't mutually exclusive. And a patent can really be as a fallback position should people do what you're what you don't want them to do with your invention. Okay, so blockchain and crypto is a trustless system. So it's basically all open source because you need to trust the code, not trust the people behind it. That's the whole ethos of crypto. So if I create a patent, am I in a way kind of breaking that element of trust? Am I trying to do something that doesn't allow people to see everything that's going on underneath the hood? Uh, not necessarily because the patent is published. Uh, there's a period of secrecy, um, 18 months from when you file a patent where it isn't published. But after that period, the patent is published and open to public inspection. So when you file a patent, everybody can see what your invention is. And the advantage of the patent system is that you the level of understanding of um, innovation and technology increases as more publications get out there. And all that that means is you then just need to seek a license from the innovator, the original inventor, to use that invention. So it's a bit of a formal process, I guess, as opposed to here's a copyright, here's a, a copy of my uh, source code, um, do what you want. So it's a bit more of a formal process as opposed to an informal process, I guess is the is the the difference between yeah, those. I, two. I mean, I guess eighteen months is a lifetime in crypto. You know, it's equivalent of ten years in the traditional finance system. So, you can still, I'm assuming, apply for patent and then actually open source it straight away once it's application and not withhold it for eighteen months because no one will use your application until they can see the open source code. Correct. You can file it today and then uh, open source the code tomorrow. Okay, so let's talk about patents though, because obviously patents are regionalized and crypto is definitely global. So yep. how much protection do I actually have when we have a global society who can copy the code? Yeah, great question, because patents and the system that created patents is based on a territorial uh, legal process. So a patent in Australia is uh, protectable in Australia and stops others from utilizing and importing into Australia, but it doesn't stop any other country in the world. So if you're thinking about a global um, exploitation of a product or a commercialization of a service, if you're wanting to go down the path of protecting that through patents, that can be a very costly and very time consuming process to get every country potentially, or at least the major markets that your, um, your product is being used in. So it's very territorial. It's Australia specific, New Zealand specific, USA specific. Um, Europe as a as a collective is different. There's a, there's a European patent process, and it's about twenty eight countries, I believe. Um, but yeah, so that that's probably one of the only exceptions. I mean, there's a lot of question marks about whether it's actually financially worthwhile. And the other aspect of it, I think people have a lot of thoughts about patents in places like China and just not giving us stuff anyway. So. What the Chinese the, the Chinese patent system has improved dramatically in in the last decade. 
they've realized the value of um reinforcing their patent process but yeah certainly um then being able to enforce it in china if you're a foreign entity is still a hurdle you have to go through was china this is off topic to a degree was china's improvement on patents to protect their ip but not to stop their internal things stealing other people's ip out of curiosity no they they wanted to incentivize their innovators and reward them through a clear and robust patent system so they it, it's actually benefit to china but it's also a benefit to those outside of china who realize that you if you want to get something made at all in this world you probably need to think about manufacturing or at least manufacturing options in china fair enough okay so back onto blockchain then so is it actually worthwhile and what rewards realistically could you do if you're trying to protect this amazing open source code on a global scale that other people want to use realistic what what is your reward going to be for trying to do this so the ability to stop others from using your code and having exclusivity in your source code means that you can potentially charge a premium for access to it and so you could commercialize and monetize your product through um subscription fees but you need and the benefit to that is that nobody else can get access to it without that subscription model but the revenue that you're generating needs to offset the cost of protection and it's not just the protection in going down to get the patent it's also the next step which is how do you then actively go and stop others so that's when it, it does you need to think about the pros of stopping others and having exclusivity in that in your invention versus the cons of the cost of getting the patent and enforcing the patent and how you're commercializing it as well so obviously if you're making a thousand widgets a day at one cent a pop it's very different to uh one thing that you're making a month at one million dollars a pop it's very different in the in the software space as well so you, you need to think about the commercialization business model and whether they're, they're generating enough revenue to offset the cost of protection so not yeah. to say that it's not to say that it's a bar but it's just how, how do you go about commercializing yeah and it's probably an individual case-by-case -case basis of whether there's actually yeah, yeah. merit to it so yeah. patents hard to enforce very easily for someone to copy if you come up with a good idea so it's it's something that i've not seen in blockchain technology yet not to say people won't have a need for it in the future let's get yeah. back on the copyright then so yeah. copyright is obviously more about brands and protecting brands is it not no copyright is the original work so trademarks protect brands so the source code and what you're publishing is copyright but your brand i.e um google amazon facebook the brand associated with your company that's the trademark that's trademark yep yeah so how does this copyright work then because there's so many cases of open source code being put out there you say that's automatically copyrighted but people copy the code and fork it all the time one of the biggest examples that happened in recent history for DeFi 
was, and I think, of course, some of the biggest stirs around was when Uniswap, the decentralized exchange, got forked and SushiSwap got created. They basically copied the code entirely. Hmm. What kind of protection was there for that? So this is where licensing and what you can enable others to do when you publish your information comes into play. So if I'm creating open source code or if I'm creating source code and I publish it to um, a platform, there's going to be, or there's definitely should be, um, a license associated with how people can use that uh, source code. It's either going to be embedded in the code itself or it's going to be attached to the platform. And some of, if not all of the open source platforms have um, a, a, a either a Creative Commons license or an open source license, which essentially provides the authority for others to go off and use it as they please. Modify, adapt, improve, enhance, change, revise any, so the license allows them to do whatever they want. However, that license doesn't necessarily need to be that way. It depends on what the person or the company or uploading that source code to the platform wants others to do. So there certainly can be a scenario where that license is, you can modify, adapt, enhance, and change, or you can only use it for research purposes. So you can get in there and look at the source code, but you can't modify it. Or um, you can get in there and modify it, but if you want to then use it in a commercial setting or use it for your own purposes, you need to pay a license fee back to the originator. And again, is copyright regionalized restrictions? So again, do we have issues with international people not caring about copyright? You do, you do. That is uh, another one of the complexities around copyright. Uh, but there are, from recollection, and I'll definitely need to check this, the um, international arbitration um, sort of bodies or authorities that allow for that cross-border um, enforcement because there's the world is changing in, in terms of access to information, the internet just being generally everywhere. So you can't just think of copyright anymore necessarily in terms of just I've got protection in Australia, the US, these are my big markets. It's um, a, it has to be a global scale. And I think the law is trying to catch up to that. And is, is there a sunset on copyright? Copyright kicks in data publication. And uh, for example, in Australia, it lasts the life of the author plus 70 years. So that can be a long time where the copyright uh, right exists and the license associated to that copyright can last for a long time as well. Now, what, what does copyright really um, stop or enable people to do? If you're the owner of that copyright, that's your works and you can stop others from using it or misappropriating it or misrepresenting that it's theirs. So when a fork takes place, if you're the original copyright producer, somebody forks it and creates something, but there's an argument that it's copyright infringement. The second derived works that they've created could be an infringement of the original right. And whilst the second body, the second works is, has been created by somebody else, they can't actually claim that it's their work. So then the original creator needs to be acknowledged as the um, creator of both works. Okay, so that kind of gives, I guess, the 
precedence to, I guess, follow the chain back up to who created it. Here's, here's my question, though, around the copyright in general, especially if it was for an application built on Ethereum. This is a decentralized application. Once you put the code out onto the Ethereum network, it's effectively unstoppable. So what enforcement actually is there once someone else copies your code and puts it out onto the Ethereum blockchain? We'd need to look at what the Ethereum terms and conditions are. This is going to sound very lawyer and, and legal. The terms and conditions of Ethereum, I'm pretty sure, uh, this is a decentralized blockchain. Do what you wish. No one can stop you. There's going to be some description of a license, what you can and can't do with that. There's going to be, and I'm, I'm not 100% sure what it is or whether it exists, but I'd be 90% sure that there's going to be some limitation on how you can use the source code and the information that's uploaded to the Ethereum network. I'd, I'd, if, I'd love to think about how it could be used negatively. If somebody was to just literally go and copy and paste and create Ethereum 2, do Ethereum care? You're talking about blockchain to blockchain splits there. So that's a whole new thing. But just building another protocol on top of the Ethereum blockchain, I think you are mistaken. There is nothing stopping any developer anywhere in the world from putting their project onto the Ethereum blockchain. It's a decentralized blockchain. It's permissionless. So there is no gatekeeper. There is no ability for someone to stop it. <laughs> There's no ability for someone to pull it off either. So that's what makes it decentralized that's what makes it you know so uniquely different is that there is no single point of control there's no one that can change or edit the code mm, it's interesting because um anytime you publish something in the source code whether it's there intentionally or there unintentionally there's going to be some degree of license in and of itself. Um, I'm just looking at the Ethereum GNU on GitHub, and it does talk about copyright and license notices must be reserved. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's. I don't know enough about it, but I would be I would be surprised if there's not a license that license could be to do whatever you want and it could make it clear that you can do whatever you want but we'd have to double check that okay no worries well i think let's leave it there patents yep. and copyrights very confusing to figure out how they interact with blockchain because blockchain is breaking down a lot of the walls the whole concept of being decentralized yep. means that these kind of institutions of copyrights and patents tend to get broken at the same time as a bit of a disrupting technology. So thanks for your time, Evan. Yep, no problem at all.